Hello, I'm Rabbi Iggy, and welcome to Tattoos and Torah. Hello, thank you for joining Tattoos and Torah for our podcast. For people who don't know who you are, Susie Shefflin is a sound healer, Kundalini yoga teacher, a Karuna Usoi Holy Fire 3 Reiki master, a sobriety coach, and the founder of the Sound Healers Academy. After years of suffering from anxiety, alcoholism, and addiction, Susie experienced an incredible transformation that released her from darkness and led her to a radiant, abundant, and joyful life. And if you are seeing this on video, then you can see what I'm seeing, which is a pretty radiant creature. Uh, hello. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for such a wonderful introduction. I'm so happy and honored to be here. Yeah, we're glad to have you. So I guess we should start from just a basic sort of what is a sound healer? And, and in that sense, sort of like perhaps talk a little bit about like sound in general as, as you experience it. Yeah, so sound is pure creative potential. It helps us to connect with the essence of who we are. And there's so many ways of using sound for healing. Sound has been used as a healing modality throughout every culture for thousands and thousands of years in many different ways. Dating back to Australia, the ancient Aborigines used didgeridoos to help mend broken bones. We think about ancient Gregorian chants, right? We think about there were sound chambers in the pyramids in Egypt. And then music in general helps to move energy. Emotions are energy in motion. And how many times have you ever listened to a beautiful piece of music that touches you in a way that helps to make you cry? Sound is something that helps us to really connect with the essence of who we are. And in modern day sound healing, there's a few different instruments that tend to be used. Gongs are a big one. Tibetan singing bowls are a big one. I personally work with crystal singing bowls. And that's my preferred modality. But again, didgeridoos, the human voice is a powerful instrument for healing. But essentially, the way that I work with sound as a healing modality is to create a space that feels safe for us to come back to the stillness and the oneness and the wholeness that we are, that inner essence, that light of truth. Sound can help us to return to that. How did you discover this? What's your first experiences? around sound because it's true that I don't go around my life and be like ooh sound <laughs> you know yes music for sure but not more than that so for me I also I've always loved music I studied music when I was younger learned to play the piano the violin loved to sing loved to listen to music and it was actually when I was in rehab that I started to experience sound as a healing modality intentionally for the first time. I had music therapy was one of the offerings at the treatment center I went to. And it wasn't with crystal bowls. It wasn't with the gong. It wasn't with any of those things that I just mentioned. The music therapist asked me to choose a piece of music that I felt connected to. And I remember lying on that couch and listening to the song and just crying. And I think some of the emotions that I'd been suppressing for years, the pain that I hadn't wanted to feel the things that I had been escaping from in choosing to drink alcohol and take drugs started to finally move. And then after getting out of rehab, I had begun a meditation practice and I started to explore different alternative healing modalities to supplement my experience in recovery because I 
by nature, I'm a very anxious person. <laughs> my mind is very loud and very busy. And so I found that mindful practices are one of the greatest solutions, you know? And through my journey, I ended up moving out to California and my aunt lived here in LA. She still does. And she said, Susie, why don't you come with me to a sound bath? It's a meditation. And I didn't really ask any other questions. You know, a lot of people, when they hear about a sound bath, they're like, what is that? Do I, am I getting bathed? Do I have to take my clothes off? What's involved in this sound bath thing? And I didn't ask that. I was just like, yes, of course. I was so open and I went. And that was the first time that I experienced sound healing in this way, where I lay down with my clothes on, got comfortable on the floor, just lying down in a meditation or taking a nap or shavasana at the end of a yoga class. And this beautiful woman played these incredible shiny bowls that made sounds that brought me home. And I felt this sense of peace and stillness. It didn't happen instantly, right? So I laid down in the meditation and my mind actually got a little bit louder at first. Started to think what's happening and started to process my day and moments of anxiety started to come up. But then after a few minutes, my thoughts slowed down and I started to feel almost like a warm, fuzzy feeling. And it was as if I was asleep, but I wasn't. And I felt connected to, the only way I can describe it is like who I really was. This sense of everything being okay. You know, I felt connected to what I now know was God. And I came, I woke up from that meditation. I was like, whoa, what just happened? That was amazing. And the bowls were beautiful. And I felt really, really calm. And it lasted for a few hours, that sense of feeling calm and centered. And then I went back into my life and started to feel anxious again. And then the next chance I had to attend a sound bath, I went and I, I returned to that feeling, you know? And I said, okay, there's something here. And the more frequently I went, the longer that feeling of connection and that centeredness lasted. I didn't realize it at the moment, but my frequency was shifting. You know, I was shifting into a more consistent state of consciousness that is God consciousness, that is love consciousness and being in, in the wholeness and oneness of who I am. So that's how I found sound healing as I experience it and share it today. So you said my frequency. So tell us, so tell me about, so each of us has a frequency. I would assume, right, so it's individual frequencies, but... What, what does that mean, what my frequency? Great question. Yeah, a lot of people talk about like having a high vibe, things like that, especially in the healing space. So everything is energy. Everything is energy. Everything is vibration. Frequency is the rate at which energy moves. So when we're talking about sound, it's the rate at which a sound wave is moving per second, the cycles of the sound wave. So our physical body is vibrating. We're made up of energy and everything that is energy is also sound, whether we can hear it or not. The human ear can hear a very limited range of frequency, but we exist beyond that. And so when our frequency is resonating in harmony within ourselves, right? So when our cells are operating in harmony, when they're vibrating in harmony, we feel a sense of peace, a sense of flow. We feel that harmony within ourselves. And when it's out of harmony, when there's dissonance, energy might, might be because energy's stuck. It might be because we're holding on to emotions. We've experienced a trauma. Our frequency can be a little bit off. But I believe personally that we all have our own frequency that we operate at optimally. And so when we can get back into alignment with that frequency flowing, that's when we feel whole and at peace. 
what are the kind of things that hold back our frequency or I guess affect our frequency? So I think putting ourselves in situations or doing things that are out of alignment with the truth of who we know we are. So I think when we hold on to anger or resentment, that can have a huge impact on lowering our frequency. There's been studies that have done that the lowest frequency emotions are guilt and shame. And so I think when we hold guilt and shame within ourselves, that can have a huge impact on our frequency. When we connect and open ourselves to frequencies such as joy, such as love, it raises us up as well. And so all this is to say, when we put ourselves into situations or environments that don't feel right for us, I'm going to speak for everyone else, but for me, like when I, when something's right, there's this inner voice that tells me yes. And when something's not right, the frequency, the energy's off, something within me knows. And sometimes I listen to that and sometimes I don't. And that might be engaging with a certain person, that might be eating a certain type of food, that might be consuming alcohol or drugs, it might be going to a certain concert, right? So like some concerts, I would listen to the music and it would feel amazing and uplifting. Some, it might feel like an uncomfortable experience. When I listen to the truth within me, my energy becomes clear. When I don't listen to that truth, the frequency gets off. When we talk about these frequencies and what it sounds to me like, I often talk about spirituality, right? And I often talk about how the part of spirituality that very few people talk about is the spirit part of spirituality, right? And the uniqueness of each of these, the spirit of individual, which resonates. Haha, see what I've done. Resonates. And you mentioned it sort of is tied to what we would call God, right? God of our own understanding and all that. So when you said you connected to God, so how do you, in your own work, but also in your own experience as a person in recovery, how do these sort of tie together? And do you have expressions around God? What does that look like for you personally? So I think that it begins with listening, you know? And I think that's also where the sound comes in. When there's sound that we can hear, we listen. When you lie in a sound bath, you're listening. And in order to connect with God, I have to listen and I have to be open to God's presence, right? If I'm just charging throughout life according to my, my will, my ego, letting, letting that run things, there's not very much space for God. But when I pause and listen, and for me, a big part of that is, is prayer, starting my day with prayer and meditation. So prayer being talking to God and meditation being listening for the answers and creating the space for divine guidance to come through. And I think through prayer, for me, it's a matter of consciously asking for that guidance and saying, I don't necessarily know and I don't necessarily have to know. God, show me what to do next. And then listening to that when that guidance comes in. And circling back to what we were saying about frequency, I think when that inner guidance, that knowing that direction from God comes in and I listen, the frequency aligns. Life becomes very harmonious. It doesn't mean that it's always perfect. There's absolutely uncomfortable moments and there's challenges that we face, but I think there's a knowing that, okay, this is here for my growth versus when I'm like, oh, this doesn't feel right. I'm going to ignore it. I'm going to do what my ego says to do out of fear, out of scarcity, out of lack, out of trying to control rather than being in that abundant love of God. Does the immersive experience have an effect 
on what in recovery we would call surrender. In that sense, the ability to lay flat, to listen to the sound, to not fidget. Does the immersive thing, does it connect to our, our ability to surrender to whatever we put ourselves into? Yes, absolutely. And I love the way that you put that. It's I think of a sound bath as a container for that surrender, right? We give ourselves an opportunity to experience surrender for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour. And it's training our brain. It's rewiring our brain to know that it's safe to relax. It's safe to surrender and to trust and to receive. Absolutely. I would say that sort of for me, I find it important to recovery and in fact, all kinds of growth and seeking a life of meaning, which is what we all do really, is to find opportunities where you choose to put yourself in these immersive spaces that allow you to, to practice this of this muscle of surrender, right? And it could be a sound bath, it could be a yoga class, it could be a whatever. I mean, for some, it's like spin or run. But I think this sort of the ability to just sit there and be with yourself is a tool that I think a lot of people, especially people who are in addiction, don't really have yet. It's huge. It's huge because especially people who are experiencing addiction, it's like that sense of urgency, that sense of reactiveness. Something doesn't feel good. I need to fix it. I need to do something. When you lie in a sound bath, when you're in an immersive experience like that, and like you said, it could be a yoga class, it could be a meditation class, it could be a sound bath, but you lie there and you notice, oh, I have a thought coming up. This is uncomfortable. My mind's telling me I need to go do this thing, but I'm I'm just not. For right now, I'm going to pause. I'm going to stay here. Or I have an itch on my face. I'm going to see. Can I see if that itch will pass? And I think that it teaches us on a subconscious level, you know, this too shall pass. It all will pass. It will be okay. It is okay. We don't need to react to the sensations of life. We can allow them to happen. And of course, we do take action. In the big book, it says faith without works is dead. Like we we need to take action in life, but to know that action has, if it comes from a greater guidance and the stillness in the space allows us to be clear on the actions that we're taking. It's funny, right? There's ancient traditions that tell us that sort of in order for the mind to be harnessed, right? you have to have an action attached. You can't just sit there, right? That you have to either move or move your hands or walk or whatever. And in that sense, the sound is yet another thing that can do that. Exactly. The sound is the movement. Exactly. Yeah. When, when we think about sort of frequencies and resonances, so we talk about the individual, but how do we or can we tune in more larger things. If we're talking about God of our understanding, things that are larger than ourselves, right? Then the rocks have a frequency, the earth has a frequency, the sky has a frequency, right? So the language of the universe is also a frequency. Yep, exactly. Nikolai Tesla said, if you want to know the secrets of the universe, think in terms of energy, frequency, and vibration. It's exactly that. I have a picture of Tesla right here on my wall. I'm a big fan. Think about everything in terms of energy and a whole new world will open up. You know, here you are, right? So like you, you're a healer, you're a teacher, right? You are in a place that sort of seems very positive, right? Or at least like with all the tools to be able to deal with everything else. But how did you get to the bottom? Because like underneath all this is a person who had to at some point said, this is unmanageable and I had to go from there. For everybody who's listening, we're thinking like, oh, but I, I can never attain a certain amount of peace. Would you talk a little bit about how you hit the bottom and what was the moment that sort of decided to change things for you? Yeah. Yeah. So 
the bottom, it took me a little while to get there. And I remember my mom, she would say to me, she was like, Susie, you're on an elevator and you're going down and you can choose when you want to get off. You don't have to hit the ground floor. But I almost got there. <laughs> I almost got there. And my life, for me, my substance of choice was alcohol. You know, I would drink and I would black out. After graduating from college, I realized, oh, I have anxiety. And I also got some prescriptions for, for Klonopin, for Adderall, for Prozac, mixed up this wonderful cocktail, sprinkled some weed in there and other party drugs from time to time. And it was fun, except for I would wake up the next morning and feel a lot of shame because a lot of times I didn't remember what I did. And I didn't have any long-term consequences. By the grace of God, I never got arrested. I was able to keep a job. I was never physically injured. But at the end, I was in New York City, blacking out, passing out in bars, passing out in taxis and waking up in the emergency room, not knowing how I'd gotten there. So it wasn't good. And on the inside, I felt like I just hated myself. And my life was pretty unmanageable. I would drink a venti black eye coffee and I would be able to take a nap right afterwards. I was so spiritually exhausted and just burnt out. Now, like if I even drink one coffee, I'm like high as a kite. I'm like flying for the whole day. But it was like I just and Red Bulls and coffee and I would sleep in the morning and wake up 30 minutes before I had to be at work hop in the shower, smoke a cigarette on the way there, get to work barely in there and order like pancakes for delivery because I couldn't figure out how to nourish my body. I mean, not that there's anything wrong with pancakes. I do love pancakes, but the way that I was eating them was not in a joyful way. I just was so anxious. I had panic attacks. I remember being in a taxi, breathing into a brown paper bag on my way to the therapist so I could get a, a refill on my prescription. All I could think about was myself. I was so self-centered and I couldn't stop thinking about what other people thought of me. I experienced a condition called alopecia areata. If you're watching this, I'm wearing a beanie, but underneath that, there's no hair, which now I shave my head by choice. But at that point, it was my biggest secret. All I could think about was, can you tell that my hair is falling out? Does my hair look okay? Do I look okay? Meanwhile, I was so unhealthy. I was 40 pounds overweight. Just, I could go on. I won't. It wasn't pretty. But I hit rock bottom in 2015 when after a long day of drinking and using, I don't know what set me off, but I just decided I couldn't do it anymore. I was so sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I, I almost took my own life. And by the grace of God, I woke up the next day. I did not succeed in it. And I heard this new voice in my mind that said, Susie, wake up and live. And that morning I had this awareness that like everything I'd been doing had been moving me closer to death. It'd been moving me farther away from what I actually wanted, what my soul wanted, which was to be alive and to be radiant and to be joyful and be an expression of love. And so I needed to make a real change. And that wasn't when I got sober for in this sobriety that I have now, but it was when things began to really shift because that day I reached out for help. And I called my job, which I felt like I couldn't take time off work. Like I was so needed. Meanwhile, I'm like a hot mess showing up to work. I can't even imagine what what I what people actually thought. But I felt like I I can't let them I can't let this go. I can't let them know. But I told them I was like, you guys know I shouldn't been drinking. I shouldn't be drinking. And you know I've been drinking. And they were like, yeah, we do. I was like, I need help. And they're like, yeah, we support you in that. They're like, we're gonna pay you when you go to let you go to rehab. Like just go, <laughs> just go get help. And 
my family was so supportive. I thought that they were going to judge me. I thought that they were going to think I was a failure. And they were like, we love you. We want this for you. You deserve this. How can we help? They drove me to rehab. They came to visit me. For 30 days, I got clean. For 30 days, I got off all pills. I stopped drinking. Yeah, clean and sober. And during those 30 days, I developed a new connection with my understanding of a higher power, which I sometimes call God, but to me is love, is this great compassionate force. And I did that in rehab with a lot of resistance. I didn't mean to do it, but it began with a gratitude practice. Every night we would go around and say what we were grateful for. And I remember in the beginning, not feeling very grateful at all, feeling pretty resentful, but going through the motions and saying, I'm grateful to be alive. I'm grateful for the food. I'm grateful for this. And by the end, I was able to have a full body experience of like, really seeing how the things that I'd been resenting, the fact that my hair had been falling out, the fact that the relationship I had been in didn't work out, the fact that I wasn't going to get to go back to my apartment I'd been living in because I lost it, had actually happened for me. You know, I was able to see how these things had given me this new chance. When I got out of rehab, I didn't connect with the sober community. And I reconnected with people in my life who partied and I didn't drink. I didn't go back to taking pills, but I smoked I smoked pot because for me, I thought this was never my problem. This didn't cause me to black out. But it's an example of what I was saying before where my higher self, my connection with truth was like, yeah, no, that's not the essence of who you are, Susie. And it wasn't until I started going to sound baths and connecting with a sober community in California, getting involved in 12-step program that finally I was like, oh, I don't need that. I really don't. It's pulling me away from the truth of myself. And that was when my sobriety actually stuck. And thank God today I'm grateful to have been totally clean and sober for almost six and a half years. Amazing. I'm sure there's some people who are listening to us and who are saying, oh, this is great. And some people are like, Iggy, this is like so woo-woo. What are you talking about? Crystal balls and like what? Honestly, like just go to a meeting. You really want to hear something, put on some like good music and be done. Like why? How do you do you even have conversations around the not the validity, right? Because I'm not seeking to validate this, but like conversations around how slightly different this sounds. Right. And then that's sort of the otherness of it. Yes. For anyone who's feeling that way, I was you in my past life in New York. We're all black was totally skeptical. I used to make fun of people. Not that there's anything wrong with wearing all black. You look fabulous. But (laughs) I wasn't wearing pink and white. And I used to make fun of people who lived in LA. I was like, I don't know what you guys are talking about. You're full of it. But there is actually a lot of science behind what takes place in a sound bath. And even when it comes to crystals, they're not just a woo-woo thing. You'll actually find a piece of clear quartz crystal in your cell phone, in your computer. And that's because crystal conducts energy and holds information. So we use it in technology. And in fact, crystal singing bowls are a modern day sound healing instrument. They only were discovered in in the late 80s. These crystal bowls, quartz crystal bowls, were used in Silicon Valley to bake computer chips. And people started playing around with them and realizing, wow, something happens when I play like this and this sound is created and oh my gosh I'm feeling a shift in consciousness. I mean I totally get it to be skeptical, but there is science behind it. And What I would say is just, for me, it was a matter of becoming open, right? Becoming open to something new, something a little different. And there's a lot of ways to work with sound. You don't have to go to a sound bath. You can listen to music that inspires you. But for me, I found that 
sound baths and sound healing creates a space where I can feel safe to relax and just be, you know, and there's a lot of ways to do that. But sound baths have been a really effective tool for me and for the millions of people who have experienced my sound baths and sound baths at large. So I would say to be open to giving it a try is the first step and know that you don't have to take your clothes off and get in a bath of water. You don't have to even like crystals or any of it, but um, see what you feel. It's about having an experience and there's different tools for different people. Going to a sound bath may not be for everyone, but I think it absolutely could be because sound is something that connects us beyond race, beyond gender, beyond words, beyond anything. It's these pure sounds that are used, that I use when I play the crystal singing bowls they transcend all of it. None of it matters. And the other thing that I'll say is, scientifically speaking, what can happen to sound bath is that the sounds will entrain with your brainwaves. And without you having to do anything, help to shift your brainwaves into brainwave states that are associated with deep states of rest and relaxation and meditation and healing. So for someone like me who my natural state is anxiety and panic attacks. My mind is like, go, 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 da, 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 always thinking. I feel like I just can't turn it off because I can't, we can't turn our minds off. But the sound can help to shift it and help to slow it down. So for me, it's a hack. It's a hack to help my mind slow down. I don't have to do the work. I lie there. The sound comes in and brings me into the theta brainwave state, which is where we are during REM sleep, which is where we are when we're dreaming. And so in the sound map, you can feel inspired. You can feel creative or even the delta brainwave state, which is an even deeper state of consciousness, which that's what when I talk about feeling like I wasn't asleep, but it felt like I was that sense of peace and stillness that I know when I drink and used, that was part of what I was craving, right? It looked when I drink like an escape, right? I would black out. I would black out like I felt like I wasn't here, but I get to have that in a conscious way in a sound bath that instead of leading me to wake up the next morning wondering what I did and feeling ashamed and being further disconnected from myself, it actually connects me more deeply to the truth of who I am. Presumably, the best experience is that when you're in a room and there's somebody playing the crystal balls and all that, can you get a similar effect from a recording or does it have to be an experience there? No, absolutely. And almost all of the sound baths that I share right now are virtual. So Thanks. You can absolutely listen to a recording. It's important that it's a high quality recording because you'll want to make sure that it's captured the acoustics, especially if you're working with a binaural beat in the sound bath, which one ear hears one tone, one ear hears the other, and that's what can help to shift the brainwave states. But virtual, live virtual is great. Recordings of sound baths are great. There's something really nice that happens in person, but you right. can absolutely experience that and accomplish the same, if not a deeper expect for effect virtually. And one of the reasons for that is that you can experience it in the comfort of your own home. You don't have to worry about who's lying next to me or what's that distraction over there or I have to drive home after this. It's like you can just on the spot. And so many of my sound baths I have are, are short. You know, I have some that are long, but I have an on-demand library of sound baths. Some of them are three minutes, five minutes, 11 minutes, and you can just pop that on. And I do that for many reasons. One of the reasons being I remember circling back to my pre-sobriety days, like I remember one of my first experiences getting into meditation was I would pop on the Calm app and I would be like in a taxi on my way to an appointment running late because my life was unmanageable and I'd be on the verge of a panic attack and I would put a quick meditation on. And you can do that with a sound bath. You know, if you're having a tough day, you can pop on your headphones and listen to three minutes, five minutes, and experience an actual shift. Is there a download for, well, I'm craving? Is there a recovery download? 
Ooh, that's a good one. I do have some for shifting out of the frequency of it for healing the frequency of addiction, but I will create that. Oh, there you go. Right. I'm really craving. I'm really thinking. Put this right. I love that. I'll create it. I'll send you the link. And if anyone is listening to this and you want it, reach out. At- Great. I know. We'll definitely post it with it. Yeah, I love that. Because in, in that vein, there's now uh, more and more. There used to be just like white noise, like these machines you put a therapist. But now, right, there's like brown noise and green noise and blue noise and yellow noise, right? Noise for ADHD. Right. I'm curious if there is a recovery frequency, an addiction frequency, right? And the one that sort of can directly sort of like be part of the conversation around, because like you said, right, most addictions, not all of them, but most addictions start as a solution to a problem, right? It's an attempt for us to find peace, to find that resonance, because I think a lot of people, at least in addiction, um, are really seekers, right? They're people who feel the world very deeply and just can't negotiate the, for the world for what it is. I would say there wouldn't necessarily be one frequency that achieves that. But what I would right. say is that it's the connection element, right? Like when we're seekers, we're seeking connection. We're seeking connection to something greater than ourselves. And sound can help us to reconnect with that. And by listening to a sound bath or a meditation, it gives us the space to have that deep, true connection to the truth of who we are. We'd be interested to play around with different combinations of tones that can help to achieve that. But I would say all of the sound masks that I create are, I create them with that intention. And Jonathan Golden is one of the most renowned sound healers. And he says that intention plus frequency equals healing. So for me, I put the intention of creating an opportunity to reconnect with yourself into the sound baths that I create. And you can set that intention for yourself as well in a meditation or in a sound bath, right? Say, I'm, I'm giving myself time here to reconnect, to reconnect. And when we do that, again, it's that pause, that connection that prevents us from, you know, following the craving. It helps us to create space between that impulse and then the reaction to say, okay, I don't have to, I don't have to reach for the drug. I don't have to reach for the drink. I'm going to connect with myself in this moment. And then the healing takes place. Yeah, there's no doubt. And I talk about it in a lot of different guests about so the space between craving, between impulse, and instead of reacting, responding, right? That space is this, that's where spirituality lives. And that can be like meditation, that could be yoga, that could be journaling, that could be art, that could be calling, whatever it is. I agree with Jonathan's assessment. For me, right, it's intention plus action. It means healing, right? And that action can be anything, including, of course, sound. I'm curious, again, so like when you talk and you talk to so many people, right, who've been quoted in like in Vogue to Rolling Stone to whatever, you did some work with the Philharmonic, which I'd love to hear about, right? What's the easiest and what's the hardest thing for people to to grasp around this? Mm. So the hardest thing for people to grasp around this, I think, is the simplicity is, but what do I have to do? Don't I have to do something? And it's about actually doing less and listening and slowing down. It's as simple as that. (laughs) I find that so interesting because I think that I've been talking more and more lately about that sort of idea of slowing down that I think if I'm really rejecting the Western world's veneration of multitasking, Uh right? Rather than like, single unitasking and you just do one thing well 
or just one thing, right? And the ability to do that. I think it has a lot of privilege around it. I'll be entirely honest. I think slowing down is a privileged state of mind and I, I accept that. But I think that, yeah, the simplicity of it all, right, is it is something I think people would have find difficult to use. Exactly. Yeah. And I think like the concept of presence is a concept that we're really losing touch as a culture and as a society today. We're constantly taught to reach, to grab for more, to want more, to buy more, to need more, but to be present with what is and to listen to what we know is true beneath the noise, beneath the chaos, the dissonance of the world and the voices that tell us that we're not enough. That's really, that's the opportunity, I think, to practice presence. Presence is by far, of course, one of the really important things around understanding ourselves and, and others. What's the next level? for you it's like you're doing this thing like what's the next level of this so like there's growth in this right so for me the next level is inspiring and empowering other people to shine in their gifts so i created a training called the sound healers academy which is a three-month virtual sound healing training which is designed to teach healers the sacred art and science of sound healing as well as how to create a business sharing healing with others so what I found in my experience is working with sound, experiencing sound healing has offered me a profound level of healing. It's helped me to come home to the truth of who I am. And the next level is to give that back. So for me, I think the deepest part of my healing has come from helping others. If I were to just attend sound baths all yeah. day, I would have experienced healing. But the fact that I share it with others takes it just yeah. beyond. In my work, of course, I still share sound baths for people to receive, but I also love supporting other, especially people. I work with so many people who are in recovery and maybe they're like, what do I do? What do I do? I just got sober. Like I need a fresh start. How do I make a life for myself? How do I earn money? How do I do something, a line of work that feels in alignment with my spirit? And for me, when I got sober, you know, I still had that job that was amazing and they were so kind. They paid me when I was at rehab, but I felt, and it was helping people. I was doing luxury lifestyle management. So it was a fun job helping people do cool things. But once I got sober and started experiencing this healing, it was like, Susie, this isn't in alignment with your spirit anymore. You have a deeper purpose. And I think a lot of people who are on a path of recovery feel that and know that there's something, they have a greater impact to make. I personally love to help people in discovering what's your unique gift, what's your unique alchemy. And sound is a compliment to anything. I've taught people who are lawyers, who are real estate agents, who are coaches who are sound healers and yoga teachers and people who are just trying to figure out what comes next you know having a fresh start and i think sound is that creative force that can amplify and expand and help us to realize the potential of who we are and what we came here to be do certain words have more spiritual healing resonance than others because we we are sound making machines constantly right so what words or are they words, right? And it's funny because I think from my own space around prayers, certain incantations, certain blessings, right? So there's certain things have a certain resonance in that. And it's you as an experienced practitioner, right? I mean, I'm sure one of the answers will be, I love you. But other than that, sort of like, right? How, we can make sounds, right, that are more healing for ourselves and others, right? Yeah. Absolutely. I think words, it's so interesting. We have a whole other conversation on, on that, but words 
especially in the English language, they have so many different meanings and so many different associations even beyond what were initially intended. So like the word love has so many meanings. It could mean romantic love. It could mean love for yourself. It could mean love for a child. There could be negative associations with love. Like it could be a washed out version of love or a spiritual bypass version of love. So for me, I would say connecting with the energy beneath words is the practice, right? So humming, toning. In one of the first meditation practices that I studied after getting sober, transcendental meditation, which is a form of Vedic meditation, you're giving your own mantra and you don't share that with anyone else. But that mantra holds a vibration that's not associated with a word, right? So that helps you to go deeper in your meditative experience because there's no external associations that could detract from the pure vibration of the sound. So I would say, I mean, connecting with the sound like om or uh or ooh, ah, ah, is a sound that's associated with the heart chakra. Right. So if you're wanting to connect with healing through sound, using your voice, not necessarily through singing, but I would say try playing with different tones, humming, and, and use that. It's funny, in, in our tradition, Jewish tradition, the most sacred prayer, right, the core is called the Shema. A long time ago, it just made me think about it, was somebody who taught me that these three sounds represents the three states uh, that we are in that sense, right? Like answering my own question, the first sound is Sh, right? The Sh, uh, which, is, which stands for, the, for all the chaos and disheartened. Then the, there's the M sound, which is harmony. And then the ah, which is the release, as you said, it's like in the sound of the heart. Oh my gosh, that's so beautiful. I love that. And I realize as you're saying that a lot of times when people are speaking, I personally, I find myself, I go, mm, right? So it's bringing it into harmony. I love that. So that's pretty cool. But because I do think that sort of this, that like everything I try to do and everything to recovery, right? Th there are a lot of entrance to that big tent. And for some, it's finding a sound bath. For some, it's Right, just ringing a bell for some. I have a friend who's a musician and he has these sort of like forks, clefts, I don't know. Tuning like, forks. Right, tuning, exactly, tuning yeah. forks. And he listened to that, right? And, and whatever, and so et cetera, et cetera. But I think that, and for me, what is interesting and important about this conversation is really opening up people, not just in recovery, but mostly in recovery, to, to, to this idea that there is a certain vibration, right? That there's a certain element of ourselves that constantly is in this sort of like movement and that sort of like in order for us to be able to move towards healing we have to hear ourselves yes absolutely in order to move towards healing we have to hear ourselves right and i think you can take that literally like right you need to hear your voice and right. And in right, exactly. yourself from within yeah. and your own, your own sort of your own, your inner. Mm, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm. This that. is fantastic. This has been a fantastic conversation. This is, thank you so much. This is, I'm inspired to really think about the different ways, the different things make sounds in our life and the ability to listen to, to those sounds because they could be right. The flickering of a candle, right. Or even just the. I don't know if it was this, but like as right as a New Yorker, the background sign of outside. If in wow. L when I lived in LA, it was complete silence. Right yeah. here, the sudden hum of the city that's sort of like I've come accustomed to going to bed with. 
Yep. I know that hum. I do. Yeah. Yes. And so to bring consciousness into it, right? To say like, is there sound that I want to bring in knowing that there's the hum of the city, which sometimes is a little bit of noise pollution and dissonance to let your nervous system be able to relax into a sound that is harmonious and is soothing. Right. And to say for me, it's like, oh, there's a whole life outside. I'm not alone. There's a whole, like somebody's going to work. Somebody's coming back from a date. Somebody just had a good meal. Somebody just had sex. So like this idea of these cabs or the thing, like this sort of like, Constantly makes yeah. me think about all the different lives that are happening. Like, oh, I'm not alone in this experience. I love that. That's so beautiful. Thank yes. You. And I think, again, coming back to presence. Right. I think so easy to move through our lives so quickly to not listen, to not stop, to not pause, to keep going for the next thing. But to slow down and to listen. Do I hear someone else? I know I'm not alone. That's right. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Do I hear somebody else? That's right. If people want to find you, I know that there's a website, The Copper Vessel. The Copper Vessel. And my Instagram's The Copper Vessel as well. Excellent. Last thoughts? Oh my gosh. I would say that I hope that this conversation has uplifted and inspired you if you've been listening. Mm -hmm. And if you're curious about sound, just listen. Just listen and know that there's no one-size-fits-all answer solution. It doesn't have to be a crystal alchemy sound bath. But if you're listening to it, there's no coincidence. So you might want to check it out and give yourself time for that presence and just to listen every day slow down listen and watch as the magic unfolds because when you truly listen to the truth of who you are you tap into the infinite possibilities of life i didn't say but the shma thing the meaning of the word is listen or hear i'm goosebumps so it was oh i love that full circle wow wow thank you Susie. thank you so much thank you <laughs> this podcast was recorded by chuva center Thank you again all for listening. You can check out our Instagram and our website at Chuva Center, T-S-H-U-V-A-H, Center, C-E-N-T-E-R, or chuvacenter.org. We're on all the social media platforms.